my goodness, Eastgate Church, how are we doing today? Man, is God in the place today. Hey, if you're in love with Jesus, let me hear you go, whoop, whoop. There it is. Hey, you guys watching online, thank you so much for staying with us. I think we've had some hiccups with the live stream this morning, so thank you for following along with us and, and uh, staying with us today. We appreciate that. If you haven't had a second yet to do this, please like and share the live stream so we can reach as many people as we possibly can, uh, especially since we had some hiccups this morning with it. It'll help us get that word out there. Uh, for everybody to be able to participate in what God's doing today. My goodness, we get to do a lot of fun stuff this week as a church. Oh my goodness, uh, Rachel was going through the list of things that we get to do and I just started laughing on the inside because we were praying for God to give us opportunities to reach our community like never before and look what he's doing. He's given us opportunities to reach our community like never before. We did a fall fest and a little over 2,000 people decided to show up for that. Praise God for that huge success. And now God's opening up the door for us to reach our community on a different level this week and it starts Wednesday. So remember, right down this time, seven o'clock at Rainfire Arena, seven o'clock at Rainfire Arena. Listen, Eastgate Church, I want us to show up in force if we possibly can to just praise God and watch him do some awesome stuff on Wednesday night because they're going to be recording that stuff and they're going to put it on the radio the following week. What a huge opportunity. Man, don't undersell what God is doing. He's opening up some huge doors for us as a church and we get to partner on Thursday with our local sheriff's department and 104.5 to give away free gas and turkeys to people in our community. That's just awesome to me because it's showing the love of God in a practical way. So we're going to meet here on Thursday at 5 o'clock. Okay, you note takers write this stuff down. We'll have all this on social media too, but just so you don't forget, we'll meet here at 5 sharp, and then we're going to haul booty over to uh, where we're going to be giving away the, uh, the turkeys and the gas, and uh, that way we can all get there in an organized fashion. And, and get set up to love on people. And if you're not working Friday morning at 9 o'clock, um, retired people, people that work night shifts, you might be able to do this. Or if your schedule lets you, maybe you got Fridays off, we're going to meet at the pantry at 9 a.m. to prepare Thanksgiving meals for families that would not otherwise have a Thanksgiving meal. And when I say that, we're, we're talking several hundred families that we're going to be able to bless by what we're doing on Friday. Praise God for the opportunity to minister to our community. It's what we've been asking for. Now, the Bible says that if you're faithful over a few things, then you become ruler over many, right? So if we're faithful in these few opportunities... God opens the door because he knows he can trust us with more and we get bigger opportunities to reach this world for him. You see how that works? So Eastgate, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you if you're at home watching. Let's step through these doors that God is opening and let's make him proud and let's impact our community. Let's not just be a church that's good at talking, but let's walk this stuff out too, okay? There's plenty of churches that do all the talk. Let's be a church that walks and lives this stuff out, amen? Are y'all ready for the word today? My goodness, this is almost like the icing on the cake for what God's doing in this place today. But if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Galatians chapter 5, your tablets or your phones, whatever you've got. Uh, we'll have message, uh, verse, Bible verses on the screens for you. Message notes are available on version if you want to follow along with what's happening today. But I want to talk to you for the next uh, few minutes about overpowering gentleness overpowering gentleness in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is our anchor verse uh, for this series that we're in right now. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, who produces the fruit in our lives? Y'all are getting this. We've only asked this question like a thousand times. Not really. Uh, but every week we ask this because the point is he produces this stuff in our lives. As we draw close to God, the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out and grows us into the person that God has called us to be. So the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. So if we're letting God do his work in our lives, then we should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control being produced in our lives. If we see anything else in production out of our lives, that means the Holy Spirit isn't doing, or we're not letting the Holy Spirit do what he's supposed to do in us. 
Okay, so the other option is we've got our flesh in control producing the fruit of the flesh in our lives. Let me encourage you. We've all been down that road. Okay, it ends in death and destruction. It leaves you empty and void on the inside, man. I want what the Holy Spirit can do in me all day long. So let's let the Holy Spirit do his work in our lives. We're going to talk about the fruit of gentleness today, though. The fruit of gentleness. And to me, I get excited about all the other fruit. I really do. I love. Who, who couldn't use more love in their lives? You know, that's just powerful. God is love. I can get down with that. You know, joy. Yes, I want some joy in my life, especially with all the junk we've got to deal with today. Peace. Who couldn't use more peace? I mean, these are just blockbuster hits that God's just dropped like the fruit of the Spirit in us. It's almost like the Avengers getting together, just ready to kick some booty in the world, like equipping us to do some stuff. And then you got gentleness, which to me is like Hawkeye. Like, he's hanging out with all these people with superpowers, but he doesn't really, like, he's not dynamic in and of himself. Like, he gets to hang out with the people that are getting it done and kind of ride on their coattail. Gentleness, to me, is like, with these blockbuster things that are here in the fruit of the Spirit, why is gentleness so important? You know? I mean, in the world we live in today, can you get anywhere by being gentle and soft? I mean, I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't raised that way. Like, you can't even, like, when I grew up playing sports, they didn't teach you to be gentle out there. Now, let's have good sportsmanship and chin up. We're all having fun today. No, it was, knock his head off, boy. You know, it was stuff like that. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, are you afraid to get hit? Okay, little princess. All right, let's get back out on the field. I want to see those pads popping, or I'm going to put a princess tiara on your head, and you can run laps like a little princess after the game. Do you want to do that, or do you want to be a man and play football? Okay, that's how coaches talk to me growing up, you know. Um, if you're going to be tough, you got to cowboy up. you got to cowgirl up. you you got to put on your big boy pants. you got to put on your big girl pants. Get back up on that saddle and keep on riding. You know, you got to be tough to make it in this world. Survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest. If you're weak, you get chewed up and spit out by this world. The Bible says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. He's equipped us with everything we need to be effective in this world, so we're not lacking anything. And part of how he equips us is with the fruit of the Spirit. So if gentleness is supposed to equip us to live in this world, why does it seem so countercultural to the world that we live in today? Maybe that question is actually the answer. Maybe our gentleness sets us apart to be more effective in reaching others for Jesus. Maybe our gentleness helps to protect us to continue to be productive and not get taken out by this world. Maybe there's a little more to it, and I think there's got to be because in Philippians chapter 4, we're instructed in verse 5 to let, oh my goodness, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That means everybody needs to see it. It needs to be plain as day. Like we're supposed to be a light in this world and a city up on the hill for everybody to see. Gentleness is supposed to be that evident in our lives. When people look at us, it should be evident that we're operating in gentleness because the Holy Spirit is producing gentleness in our lives through our relationship with Jesus. Question, hey, is it evident to everybody that you are operating in gentleness in your life? Is it? Is it? Getting close to Thanksgiving time, we're going to have a great opportunity to put this into practice because we're going to be around a whole lot of family, and sometimes family gives us the opportunity to operate in gentleness. But, but it's amazing that it should be evident to all, so th- there should be something here to this. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, and God expects gentleness to be an operation in our lives in such a way that it's evident to everybody around us. That's how we roll. That's how we operate in our lives. Maybe there's something to it, and it kind of reminded me of grizzly bears. Uh, I know. 
<laughs> it was a fun morning. So I was thinking, hey, why not grizzly bears? Now, I got to go on a road trip uh, several years back, and I got to drive from here in Georgia all the way up through Canada and over into Alaska to take a vehicle to some family members, and it was an epic road trip. And I got to see some of the most beautiful countryside you're ever going to see in your life, like going through British Columbia, going through the Yukon. Are you kidding me? It was it was amazing. And then over into Alaska, that was just like just a couple of sprinkles on top of a beautiful cupcake, you know, getting over into there. And it was amazing. But on the trip, I saw all these animals. You know, I saw you saw. Uh, buffalo, you can see elk, you can see caribou, all of this, just all over the place. And one of the animals that I saw when I was on this trip, I saw a lot of grizzly bears. I mean, just on the side of the road and out in the field, I saw a lot of grizzly bears. It'll make you hit pause when you see an animal like this and say, wow, I'm very grateful that I'm in a vehicle right now and not just walking around in a field. Because when I say grizzly bear, this is what I'm talking about. I brought some photos to show you and you guys can see this online right now. Grizzly bear. Big bear. That huge camel hump looking thing on its shoulders is just a wad of devastating muscle. Give it brute force. I mean, grizzly bears, they're amazing creatures. Um... And they can get pretty big, too, like in comparison to us. Um, we've got a, a photo to show you here. I mean, they can get on average seven to eight feet tall when they stand up like that. That's, that's a pretty big creature. It's a pretty big creature with a lot of power. That's an apex predator. But what's crazy is sometimes they can get even bigger than that. And I mean like, like biblical kind of bigger than that, and they look like this guy right here in this photo. Now, is that a fake photo? Absolutely not. And actually, this isn't one of, that's one of the largest, but it's not the largest grizzly bear ever to be killed. There are bears that have been killed that have been over 14 feet long. 14 feet. Powerful creatures out in the wild. Can you imagine being on a lovely little hike out in Montana, having fun, and then this guy roll up on you. Whoo, man. Now, as big as these things are, I want to show you how like, huge their claws are. It's unreal when you look at uh, the paw or the claws of a grizzly bear. We've got this in this next photo to show you. I mean, just look at this. One swipe from those jokers, and it's over. I mean, it's all those movies where you see big burly man running in and grabbing the bear and beating on him, and, and all. One swipe of those things cut you in half. It will literally take your head off your shoulders. With that much power and that much force behind it, something that big, just devastating. A grizzly bear, when it bites down on something, it's insane. It's got over 8 million pascals of strength and energy in one bite. What does that mean? If you put a bowling ball in its mouth, it could crunch it like it was chewing on a mint. Just like that. Raw power. Raw power. I remember pulling up in the next to a field and I was watching two of them run around and just dig around. And I don't know what they were digging for, but I'm glad I wasn't outside of my van. The van I was taking up there, I was probably 30 yards from them just watching them. And they were just, everything they did was powerful. Was just, just digging on the ground. And when they would get up and look, it would be. And they would just do this little. I was like, I know I'm in this vehicle. I didn't even put it in park, guys. I kept it running in gear with my foot on the brake. So if they decided to come at me, I could just go, beep, beep, vroom, and I'd be gone. Yeah. A lot of power in these things. That much power, that much energy, that much potential devastation that they have. But still, a grizzly bear is able to do this with its cubs. To gently pick them up and move them from point A to point B with all that power 
with all that energy, with all that strength, with, with the claws and the size and all of that, they still have the ability to funnel that and to effortlessly carry their young from one place to the other without doing damage to them. Crazy when you think about it because how much, if you've got over 8 million pascals of strength in a bite and you could crunch a bowling ball like that, how much restraint does it take to be able to carry a cub like that without doing damage to it? And I was thinking that right there is probably one of the more perfect pictures of gentleness that you're going to find. Because a 50 cent layman's term definition of gentleness is having great power and choosing to use it in a measured, compassionate way for the benefit of others. Having the ability to do something, but the restraint to not do it. To be able to focus it in a way that's going to benefit other people. Gentleness is having great power in choosing to use it in a measured, compassionate way. Well, that shines a different light on it when you think about that. You know? And I was thinking about how much we're given as people of God, and then it begins to make sense to me why it's so important for us to allow the fruit of gentleness to be in operation in our lives because how much power does Jesus have? All of it. He's got all of it. Now, how much authority does Jesus have? Now, in the name of Jesus, how much power and authority do we have? Everything Jesus has got, baby. Think about that. He says, if I'm going to give you the fruit of the Spirit being born in your life, if I'm going to give you all the gifts that come from my Holy Spirit working you, all the miracles, all the healings, the signs and wonders, the, the words of knowledge, all the prophecy, all, all, all of those amazing gifts that come with my Holy Spirit. And when Jesus came back from the dead, he rose up with the, key, the keys to death, hell, and the grave, said, all authority has been given to me. Then he turned around and looked at us and said, hey, uh, you're going out in that authority. Then he says, listen to this, whatever you bind on earth is bound where? Where? It's in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed where? In heaven. So we have incredible power in what we speak, the power to bind, the power to loose, the power to heal, the power literally to see the dead come up from the grave if it's God's will. That same miracle working power resident with us with authority to change circumstances with the spoken word. And Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you incredible power. Now I'm going to give you a mode of transportation to measure that and operate it in it in a precise way with the proper motivation to be compassionate to others. doesn't mean that you're better than them. It means that I'm equipping you in a level of power that you're going to need restraint, focus, and control on. Gentleness is the avenue by which to do it because I'm giving you great strength. I expect you to operate in tremendous gentleness to others. Maybe he knows what he's doing after all. What do you think? I think he does. And so it's amazing when you think about it because gentleness, even though we have, like my, my grandmother used to say it like this. She used to say, child, don't mistake my, my meekness for weakness. You ever heard that growing up? Don't mistake my meekness for weakness. What that meant was, I will put a pop knot on your head if you don't straighten up. So what she was saying, she says, just because I'm nice to you doesn't mean you can run me over. Because I'm still in control and I'm still in charge. I'm confident in who I am. I understand the authority that I have. So don't mistake my meekness, my gentleness, which if you dig far enough back in the Greek, those are interchangeable words. They come from the same root and mean the same thing, basically. So he says, I'm going to equip you with gentleness. And I was reading in Matthew 5, just thinking, well, if he's going to give it to us to help us in our motivation and our operation and this power that he's given us, now it makes perfect sense why it's a fruit that the Holy Spirit would produce in our lives. Does that make sense, right? I need to produce this stuff in you to help give some perspective and restraint and measured focus on what you're doing. In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus speaks to this, and he says, blessed 
are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Some translations say blessed are the meek. Some translations say blessed are the humble. Um, they're all basically interchangeable words in this context because they come from the same Greek root word for you guys that like extra scholarly stuff to write down. Um, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Inherit's a word picture here. Okay, check this out. Inherit is something that's passed down to you from somebody, right? But it's also something that you step into positionally. So you receive an inheritance as you step into the position to receive the inheritance. Make sense? So your gentleness becomes not just a tool to help you focus the power that God has put in your life, but it also becomes a tool to help you step into success in this world, to step into the inheritance that God has for you, to step into the dreams, the calling, the vision that God's placed on your life. Gentleness becomes a powerful tool because gentleness does a few things for us. And the first thing is this, gentleness, it diffuses conflict. Oh, it becomes a very practical tool in life all of a sudden. Listen, if you're trying to accomplish anything in life, movement is going to create natural friction. Even if you just start running around this building right now, your movement is creating friction and air resistance against you because you're moving around. Anytime you move forward, there's going to be friction. Let me tell you something. You will not be able to accomplish anything on this planet worth anything without having to navigate through conflict with people. There's going to be friction with people, and gentleness helps you to be able to navigate through that. In Proverbs 15.1, it says that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word stirs up anger. Our response to people in moments of conflict can defuse the situation. Just too many times I see people out there, and, and, and in the past, I've been guilty of it too, I've got to admit, where it escalates real fast, and the mudslinging turns into super mudslinging, and it's like your two kids out on a playground telling mama jokes to each other, because neither one of you wants to back down. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a strange picture, but really, as adults, we look like kids griping and fighting on a playground, because it's that same immaturity. It's that same pride. We're just out there, man, your mama's so fat, she plays pool with the planets. What? What'd you say? You heard me. Your mama's so ugly, she went to a beautician and they told her 12 hours for an estimate. What'd you say? You heard me. You talk about my mama. I talk about your mama. You don't talk about my mama. Your mama's so fat. For Halloween, she put on a white sheet and went in Antarctica. That was a good one. You know that was a good one. Your mama's so fat, when she goes to the beach, she sells shade. Your mama's so fat, when she goes to the beach, she puts on sunscreen with a roller. Well, your mama's so... You see where it's going. It never stops because we don't want to back down. Well, gentleness gives us the ability to navigate through the pettiness. Because we're operating not just in a principle from Scripture, but we're operating in a fruit of the Spirit that's benefiting our lives. It's a powerful tool when you go into it. Did you know that actually, scientifically, they've proven that we have these things called mirror neurons in our brain? I know, it's kind of hard to say when you say it fast. A mirror neuron in your brain. And what it does is it literally reflects back through body language a picture of what it's seeing in any given situation. That's why when you walk into a room and the energy's high and everybody's just, yeah, let's go, it transfers over and you pick up on that energy and you get excited. Well, that's those neurons firing and you're matching the temperature of the room. And now, the same thing is true when you walk into a room where everybody's just low-key, low-energy, and depressed. You're going to pick up on that eventually, and you're going to match the room. That's why when every... Like, if you've ever been in a group of people and somebody tells a joke, but you didn't quite hear all the joke, and everybody starts laughing, and you just 
start laughing too. And you have no idea why, but everybody's laughing. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. And no idea what's going on with those mirror neurons are doing their thing. When we are in a moment of conflict with other people, that same thing is in effect too. So when we see anger and tension and escalation, we want to, if we're not careful, our will reflect that back. And then people will reflect back what we're doing. That's why arguments. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody that it just kept escalating and escalating? And it, it went from a, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they said, blah, blah, blah. And you went, well, blah, blah. Well, blah, 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 blah. Well, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Just keeps going. Keeps that. That's how I hear all arguments. I really do sometimes. It's just... Because that's about what you're accomplishing. It becomes who's going to back down. Well, I'm not backing down. You're not better than me. Well, you're not better than me. I'm not going to back. Well, gentleness understands the power that it has. And it understands that it doesn't have to operate in the fullness of that power. It can, in a measured way, do what's necessary to disarm a situation. That's how gentleness works in conflict. And so you can either pour gasoline on the issue or you can pour water on the issue. Gentleness gives you the ability to pour water on the issue. So you don't get drug into a conflict that you know that you're too mature for. And you know that you don't have to get drug into an argument to prove your point or to make your case. You're confident enough in who you are and the Holy Spirit's producing enough fruit in you that you can just calmly interject what you need to and drop and de-escalate the situation. Here's what's cool about this, using gentleness in Ecclesiastes 10, uh, verse 4. It actually says, if your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Oh, buddy, but it's cool to go out guns blazing, right? Whew! Man, look, you're not producing the way that you need to. I'm working harder than everybody at this place, you idiot. Deuces, see you later. I'm out of here. It makes so much. It feels so good to get along without me. You're going to be calling me back in two days, begging me to come back. Or, or you could be mature and navigate it a different way. You know, sometimes we just need to own mistakes instead of trying to deflect the responsibility. Sometimes we need to own the fact that we don't show up on time. Sometimes we need to own the fact that we don't produce the way that we could. Sometimes we need to own the fact that we messed up and the orders didn't get completed. Sometimes we need to own the fact. And if you'll own the fact, even if you're getting chewed on by your boss and you approach it in gentleness and you say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, and I probably could have done better on that. Do me a favor and lower your tone, though, because I'm not talking to you that way, so don't talk to me that way. So what I'm going to do is, that, and you, you, you fix it. You fix it without getting pushed around. Okay, Gentleness doesn't mean that you're, you stand there as a punching bag. It just means you have a different mode of operation to defuse and disarm the situations of conflict um, even at work, gentleness can be a huge tool. It can be a huge tool. So if I'm a boss and I see somebody that knows how to respond in a proper spirit and own mistakes instead of passing the buck, I'm telling you that person's catching my eye and they're going to get much more opportunity for success than anybody else because they're operating in a mature in a very gentle way. The other thing that gentleness does is that gentleness as a tool, it disarms critics. Gentleness will disarm your critics. 1 Corinthians 4.13, it says, we appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yeah, we're treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. But we appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Anytime you move forward to do something in your life or in the kingdom of God, you automatically separate yourself from a group of people that don't want to leave the comfort zone that you just walked out of. 
And anytime you ascend that ladder of success, whatever it is for you, whatever it represents, I always heard growing up that you have to fight and push at the top because it's crowded at the top because everybody's fighting for the same position. And it's just not true. It's wide open at the top because not everybody's willing to pay the price that's necessary to get up there. That's the truth. And so when you rise up, you, you make yourself a plain view, easy-to-see target for critics. Who's a critic? A critic is somebody that sits on the sideline and never gets into the game. That's who a critic is. They got all the answers. I've noticed that everybody has an answer for the problems and a solution for the problems, except for the people who are actually responsible for coming up with the solution to the problem. Everybody's got... 20 ideas on what can make an organization better, except for the people that are actually carrying the organizational weight and responsibility day in and day out. It's easy to sit back and say, well, they need to do this. No, how about you get up, get in the game, get hit by a linebacker a few times, get rattled around, and then get on the line, and I bet you then you'll listen to the quarterback when they call the play instead of saying they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So... Critics are a dime a dozen. I love them in Christ, but man, why going after the things of God would we want to lower ourselves to respond to critics? Gentleness keeps you above all of that. Gentleness, not getting caught up into the, the, the emotional just roller coaster that goes on with what they say and allowing it to affect you and and letting you feel like you need to respond to, to defend yourself in whatever moment. Uh, it, it, it just takes all of that away, and you remember I'm operating in power, and I'm choosing a measured way to respond to this through compassion to benefit others. Mudslinging is not going to benefit anybody, so they're going to go low. I'm going to go high, and I'm going to keep going after Jesus. And when you operate in gentleness that way, listen to this. It takes all the power away from the critics. They only have a voice if you listen to them. They only have an inroad to your life if you let them have that place to speak into your life. Don't let them speak into your life. Love them, love them, but fly high and go over that stuff. Um, I know this about critics because I deal with them some, and you guys probably have to. And the higher up you go in life, the more critics you're going to have to deal with. I know this, and just remember this. You're not responsible to God for what someone else does. But you are responsible for your response. You are responsible for how you respond to them when they say you're not a good parent. You are responsible for how you respond to them when they jink on your job. You are responsible for how you respond to them when the critics speak negatively about any aspect of your life. Listen, they didn't call you, God did. Okay, you don't answer to them, you answer to him. And so um, you're not responsible for what they do. Let them go be them. Let them go be them. Let them go be them. One of the most freeing things I ever, that, that ever hit me was that at the end of the day, they've got to go home and still be them. You get to be you. You get to be you. One of the most freeing things ever. You be you and serve God. You're not responsible for them, but you're responsible for how you respond. Gentleness gives you measured response to the critics in your life. The third thing is this, is that gentleness is persuasive. Gentleness can be an incredibly powerful tool when it's used to persuade people. Now, not manipulate people. Okay, big difference. Big difference. Not manipulation, not control, but persuasion to present your side of a story or your side of an argument, your side of ideas that could be done for A, B, C, or D to accomplish the goals and talking about budgets with your spouse. Persuasion through gentleness goes a long way. I'm the man of the house. I'm going to decide what happens with the money. You better be gentle. You better be gentle and, and, and allow that to work and let the persuasion of your gentleness present the wisdom of the words Instead of letting the childish emotion of what you're saying discount and discredit everything that you're saying you want to do, you know. Um, 
Proverbs 25, 15. It says, with patience, you can convince a ruler, and a gentle word can get through to the hard-hearted. With patience, you can convince a ruler, and with a gentle word, you can get through to the hard-hearted, or the hard-headed. Um, it's almost the same thing. You ever had to deal with a hard-headed person? Isn't it so much fun? Isn't it so much fun? How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, I am a hard-headed person? Woo! Yeah, hands are going up. I'm proud that y'all are that confident. Hard-headed people. Listen, you can disarm that with gentleness in what you say. Um, if you speak to your children with gentleness, you can get a whole lot further. Speak to your spouse in gentleness. You can get a whole lot further. You speak to your boss in gentleness or your employees with gentleness. You can persuade and get a lot more accomplished. A lot more accomplished. If I looked at an employee and I said, look, you need to step up. You're slacking. If you don't step it up, I'm letting you go. Or I could say, hey, I noticed you've been going through some stuff lately. But I value you as more than an employee. I value you as a person. And because I value you as a person, I want you to know that I'm, I'm invested in you. And I don't want to just use you as a means to an end for this company or for day shift or night shift. I, I want to make sure I'm doing my part to set you up for success in life. And here's something that I've noticed over the last few weeks. It looks like you've been struggling with some stuff. You've been late, and your production has dropped. And I'm not here to hammer you on that. I'm here to encourage you to take a step back and maybe, maybe step it up a little bit because I want to show you a big picture. This company is growing, and we're looking for managers, and we're looking for supervisors. And the first people that we're going to look to are the people that are getting it done. And I don't want to just put a carrot out in front of you. I want to make this real. So if you'll do this, I'll do something for you. If you'll step it up and you'll help me lead in this company. If you'll be on time for the next three weeks and you'll step up your production, here's what I want to do. In three weeks, if you'll do this, I'll give you a raise because you're putting forth the effort and I want to be able to reward you for it. And if you'll stay with it and show me that you can be on time and show me that you can get these things done. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on a training track to be in leadership in this company. And if you'll stay with it for six months, I'll give you another raise. And I'm not talking a little one. I'll give you a big one with a promotion soon coming. Whether you stay with this company for 20 years or you're gone in two years, I want you to know that I'm here to help you be successful, but I don't want to let you... I don't want to let you get into a bad habit of underperforming because I know there's a whole lot more inside of you. And I know it's weird coming from somebody that you don't know that well, but I want you to know this is more than a paycheck. I take what I do serious, and I'm invested in your success, whether it's here. Or tell me that doesn't change the whole thing. That's going to make you want to do a whole lot more because the gentleness of my tone and what I'm saying is more persuasive than being harsh and over the top. Now, are there times to be harsh and over the top? Yeah. Yeah, there's times to be harsh, but those are like one in a hundred, one in a million. You see, times where Jesus was firm with people, but the vast majority of time, he was gentle with people. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is power under control. It's operating in power in a measured way through compassion for the benefit of those that are around us. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let that gentleness in how we operate, gentleness in how we talk, gentleness in how we interact with one another be evident to all. Why? Because it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. Think about how good the gentleness of God is to us. Think about how gentle he is to us. How many of you say, Pastor Josh, I've made more than one mistake in my life? Yeah, I see you raising your hand at home right now, too. I, I get it. <laughs> it's, me, too. I've made more than one mistake. I've blown it a lot. 
And God has always gently restored me back into relationship with Him. He's always been there. His motive towards me has always been through the filter of love. Well, that, that fruit of gentleness that we produce, we produce is the work of the Holy Spirit in us because it's an attribute of the God that we serve. And he says, I want you to operate in the same gentleness to others that I operate with towards you. Think about how powerful God is. Is there anything he couldn't do? That he still loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross for you and me. That's measured power out of compassion for the benefit of others. That's gentleness. Think about Jesus on the cross hanging there while he was being mocked, <laughs> while, while people were slurring insults at him, and uh, hanging, breathing his last breath. He, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's power under control. That's gentleness. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's how he wants us to interact with other people, not as a punching bag, not as someone that's easily pushed around, but somebody that can stand their ground in the fullness and confidence of who they are as a child of God and not let themselves be talked down to, but to stand their ground and navigate situations through gentleness in a measured way to let people know, I love you, but you're not going to talk to me that way. I love you, but you're not going to manipulate me. I love you, but this isn't going to happen. I love you, and I want to find a solution, but I'm not going to go to the level of immaturity that you are. I want to stay calm and collective and approach you in gentleness. I want to rise above it. I want to rise above it. And if you want to come up here and resolve it, you can because I've got a bucket of water. You can keep your gas all day long. I've got water. And if we operate in gentleness, not only does it help us be effective in reaching others, but it opens up the door for success in our own lives. Amazing. It's amazing what God does for us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. I know it seems like we're going a little long today, but that's because we let God do what he wanted to do in the worship. i got a couple of questions I want to ask you today. That gentleness that God shows to us, the greatest example is through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, to pacify his wrath for the sin in our lives. Jesus paid the price so that we could walk in freedom from that sin and walk in relationship with our Father in heaven. Maybe you're here today and all this sounds great, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now. If I were to ask you, if you die, will you go to heaven? Your answer is probably, I hope so, or maybe. And I got news for you, I hope so, or maybe is just code for no. The truth is, either you have a relationship with Jesus or you don't. And before we do anything else today, I want to take an opportunity as it's presented to give you the chance to get your heart right with Jesus. Because that same gentleness that he shows us today, his heart is always going to be love for us. But one day we're going to stand before him and they're going to open up a book. It's called the Book of Life. And either our name is going to be in it or not. And whether it's in it or not hinges on whether or not Jesus is Lord and Savior of our life. Not if we went to church. Not if we listen to a lot of podcasts. Not if we, we were friends with a pastor or somebody in leadership or if our grandmother taught us the Bible backwards and forwards. Is do you have a real relationship with Jesus? And the beauty of that question is you know the truth. Yes or no? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to count to three, and if that's you, and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's not where it needs to be, and you need to get that right today. I want to give you an opportunity to lift your eyes and look at me, and I want to pray with you today. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you in any way. This is just between you and me, so I can pray for you today.
Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? If he's not, and you want to make that change, then lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up in here this morning. I see yours. I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see yours. Praise God. It's a little bit longer. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to lift them up and look at me. I want to pray with you today. All right, everyone, if you will, let's stand to our feet. We've had a full day today, huh? Full day today. God's been moving. You guys that are watching online, thank you for staying with us. I, I hope that you were able to participate in the powerful worship that we had earlier. It's really amazing to watch God move in response to his people. We had three people this morning that said they want to make sure that their heart is right with Jesus. I think that's awesome. So we're going to pray. And if you lifted your eyes and you looked up at me, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing magic about this prayer. But the Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. And that's what we're going to do. You're believing in your heart. So let's confess with our mouth. Together, we're going to pray this together because we got your back at this church. At Eastgate, nobody walks alone. And you got a, a body of believers here that's rooting for you. And we're here for you if you ever need anything. So everyone... Let's pray. You repeat this after me, and if you lifted your eyes, pray this and mean it from your heart, okay? Heavenly Father, come to you right now, and I repent of all the sin that's in my life. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me from all that junk. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. I'll live the rest of my life one day at a time, one step at a time, growing into who you called me to be as you change me from the inside out. Thank you for saving me. Let's give God praise for what just happened in the place today. Love it. I love it. I love what God is doing in our church. Listen, if you lifted up your eyes and prayed that prayer, listen to me. It is very important that you do a couple of things. One, hey, talk to somebody about what you just did. I'll be hanging out after service today. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. The second thing is this. Listen, you need to get consistent in church. That's going to be what's going to help you out a lot. You need to get connected to a body of believers, and we'd love to have you hang out with us here at Eastgate Church. But if you feel like you were here today as a guest and it didn't click with you or it doesn't over the next few weeks, let me know. We'll get you in a place where you can grow. Um, we want to see you be successful in everything that God has called you to do and everything that God has called you to be in life. Can I give you a couple of things today before we get out of here? Everybody say, Pastor Josh, I give you permission to talk for the next 45 minutes. I'm kidding. I'm not 45 minutes. Give me, a, give me a couple of minutes. Hey, I love services like this because God's doing something in us, even out of, out of worship before the word's brought up. And I was telling the worship team, hey, I really feel like God's going to do something powerful um, in, in, in a moment of worship today. And I was thinking it might be more towards the altar time, but you know what? God knows what he's doing better than we do. So we just flowed with it and let him do that. Um, if you're a man... You're in-house or you're watching online. Let me encourage you to be at the men's hangout on Saturday. Dudes, did we have fun at the last one? Dude, it was so much fun. Hey, we're going to have some fun again at this one. And I've got something I want to share with you briefly that night um, that I think God is speaking to us as men, as the church. Not, it's not, we're not having a church service, and I'm not preaching a message. I'm just going to share for about five or ten minutes. And uh, we're going to talk about what we as men can do to lead the way in our church. And then we're going to continue having some fun because hangout nights are about hanging out. All right, not another church service. It's about dudes hanging out and building brotherhood with one another. Eastgate, let me challenge you. Okay, let me challenge you to participate in these outreaches that we have going on this week. 
All right, there's a sign-up sheet waiting for you out in the foyer, and um, Rachel and her crew will help navigate you there if you're having trouble finding it. Okay, ask her, sign up. Sign up for uh, Thursday and Friday. Now, Wednesday, we're all just coming in from work, and we're going to show up at Rainfire Arena, and we're going to worship with our worship team. Can you wait for that? Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so much fun. Um, we're going to worship with them Wednesday. Thursday, Thursday is when we're giving away the free gas and the turkeys. So we're going to meet up here at 5 and go. But listen, we kind of want to get a feel for what we're looking at is response, you know, and I know we're not all here as a church today by far, so we're going to be calling people and letting them know. Um, but sign up and let us know that you can make it on Thursday. Maybe you can't make it Thursday, but you can make it Friday. Sign up and let us know. Okay, sign up and let us know. So what's the word? It's called sign up. Everybody say sign up. Okay, here's the mistake you don't want to make. All right. <clears throat> let, me, let me ask it this way. Do we want to be a real body of believers doing what God has called us to do or do we just want to be your stereotypical church? And let's be a body of believers doing what God's called us to do. Amen. Listen, I've seen church. I don't like church. I've heard church speak. I don't like church speak. And I've seen church commitment and I don't like church commitment. But a body of believers sold out for Jesus, now that I can roll with all day long because it's different. Because they don't talk so much as they walk. Let's walk this out. So let's don't make the mistake of asking God to give us opportunities. And then think, that's awesome. I can't wait to see how somebody else does with that. Yes, I can't wait to see what the offering looks like. As everybody else gives. But as we step up and own it individually. Oh, now something different's happening. Okay, I forget that church junk. Let's be a body of believers. Let's be real, and let's impact our community, okay? Let's impact our community for Jesus. You guys get down with that? I can get down with that all day long. So let's do that, please, if you can. I understand work might, can, might cause some conflicts. No pressure, okay? If, if you got to work, we got that. We understand that. But if you can be there, let's show up with force. Show up with force and make a difference in our community. Let me pray over you one more time. We'll get out of here. I love you guys so much. Father, thank you for what you've done today, for how you moved during worship, for what you spoke to us through those messages and interpretations. Father, Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word and reminding us to operate in gentleness towards one another. Lord, so now comes the time where we decide whether we just participated in a service or if we're going to actually apply the truth of your word to our lives. Lord, I pray that we walk out of here ready to apply what you've reminded us of today to operate in gentleness, Lord, to allow it to produce its fruit of effectiveness in our lives, Father, and to help us let that light shine a little bit brighter for you and what we say and what we do and how we say and how we do as we interact with other people. God, I praise you for an awesome church, and I look forward to a great week of making you famous in our community. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. We love you all so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching online. We'll see you next week.